Amen. You know, you knew that I was a soft touch anyway. You already knew. All right. We're going to continue the message we started on the beach this morning. This morning we looked at John 19, and uh, we looked at the crucifixion of our Savior. Wasn't that video fantastic? It's Friday, but Sunday's come, amen? And we know that the reason Sunday was so powerful is everything leading up to Sunday. Our Savior and His incredible love for us. You know, it began as He came in on Palm Sunday, Passion Week. And they cried out, Hosanna, save now we pray you. But they were looking for a conquering Messiah. They were looking for a Messiah who would overthrow Rome and allow them to rule and reign physically. Too many people today are looking for a God who will bless them physically when what we really need is to be transformed spiritually. Amen? When he, on, the day, on Passover, as Passover was approaching after the Last Supper, he crossed over the Kidron, the Brook Kidron. The Brook Kidron at the time was flowing with the blood of the sacrifices. Our Savior passed over the Lamb of God, passing over the blood of lambs. He was then in the garden. There he was praying. He asked the Father if the cup could pass from him. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Then the soldiers came, you know, at Pilate's urging. And down they came to arrest our Savior. But what's awesome about this is that as these 600 troops and officers came, those of you have been to Israel, you know this, that Gethsemane is up on a hill. Jerusalem's on the other hill. As they came at night, they were carrying torches. They didn't sneak up on our Savior. Who arrested whom? Who was really in control? Because when they came, they said, he said, who are you looking for after Judas betrayed him with a kiss? He said, they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, ego ami, or I am And when he said that, all 600 soldiers fell flat on their back. Guys, God was in control. Jesus was in control at all times. They didn't arrest him. He arrested them. The same I am of the burning bush. The same I am of the I am the way, the truth, and the life. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the true vine. I am the good shepherd. Jesus Christ alone could say that. Amen? You and I, it's I wish or I ain't or I something. Right? He's the great I am. And his word that calmed the storm is the same word that knocked the enemy flat. And he could have escaped any time he wanted to. But instead of withdrawing, he remained. Even though he knew the agony that was before him, he remained. Why? Because he loves you. It's out of love for you. We know that then Peter drew a sword trying to defend his Savior from a fleshly perspective. This is something no doubt all of us have done at some time. May we never defend the Lord using fleshly methods. Amen? And he reached out and, you know, we know he also had bad aim because I think he was trying to kill him and he lopped off his ear. And in the midst of that, Jesus reached down and put his ear back on his head. Later, we know that Peter denied Jesus three times. The third time while warming himself at the enemy's fire. When you're hanging out with the world, don't be surprised when you start acting like the world. Amen? And he was warming himself at the enemy's fire. And he went away and wept bitterly. But what I love about that story is it doesn't end there. We'll see a picture of it this this morning's text. So Peter goes away and he's weeping bitterly as his Savior is being arrested. Pilate heard Jesus' words. He had witnessed his character. He had been warned by his wife to not have anything to do with him. He had found no fault in him. He tried to remain neutral. He sent Jesus to Herod. He attempted to please men by having Jesus scourged. We can look past that. If you've seen the passion of the Christ, you've seen what scourging looks like. Some have said that's over the top. Actually, I have an idea it was worse than that. And our Savior endured that out of love for you. Remember that we may go through suffering that we have no way of getting out of. He's Almighty God at any time. He could have wiped out the enemy. At any time, He could have stopped it. But He continued because He loves you and He loves me. He bowed to the pressure Pilate did. He tried to wash his hands of Jesus. As I said this morning, you cannot take a neutral stance with Jesus Christ. You're either for Him or you're against Him. Amen? You may be here this morning visiting with a friend. Let me encourage you. Just knowing about Jesus is not enough. Knowing that he is God. Believing that he's God. Even believing that he rose from the dead. Praise God that you believe that. But you have to go beyond belief in him to relationship with him. Amen? And so we see 
Pilate washing his hands, trying to remain neutral. You're either for him or you're against him. The crowd that once cried, Hosanna, now cries, crucify him. They choose Barabbas over Jesus. And it wasn't Jesus who was on trial, it was the people. The people were the ones on trial. What were they going to do with God's Son? Jesus, God in the flesh, willingly submitted Himself to the most torturous death in all of human history, and He did it because He loves you and because He loves me. Guys, next time you start to think your life is of no value, next time you start to feel unloved, look back to the cross of Calvary. Remember how much He loves you. We know that they clothed him in a purple robe because he had been called king of the Jews. And they mocked him. They took a crown of thorns and they placed them upon his head. You go back to Genesis and you see that thorns came into existence with the original sin of man. Here we see that picture of our sin being placed upon our Savior. They put a reed in his hand to imitate a scepter. They took a broken reed and hit him with something similar to a broom handle. The creator of the universe took it all. He didn't fight back. He didn't even speak. They didn't put him on a cross. And, but prior to doing that, as we talked about this morning, that he had to carry that cross after being scourged, after being beaten, after being, in a, uh, being up all night long. There he is carrying that cross about a mile or so. But as he begins to carry it, as we talked about this morning, he collapses because his own physical body, though he's 100% God, he was 100% man. And he took on humanity and he became weak and he fell under the weight of the cross. But then, as we talked about this morning as well, that Simon of Cyrene, who had come to Jerusalem, maybe a once in a lifetime trip, he may have saved his money for years, he comes for Passover. And when he gets there, he's watching this Man go by carrying his cross, a criminal taunts from the crowd, and as he stands there watching, the Savior collapses in front of him. A Roman soldier reaches out with a spear, puts it across his shoulder, lets him know, you're going to carry the cross the rest of the way. And as I said again this morning, what a powerful picture. This man came for religion, and he ends up with a relationship. Amen? And maybe you came here this morning because you feel like it's religious duty to be at church on Easter. I pray you would leave here with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, Simon had to carry the cross because we're really the ones to whom the burden belongs. We're the ones to whom the sin belongs. We're the ones who are guilty, not him. They crucified him. They nailed his hands. They nailed his feet. They dropped him into a hole. They put him between two thieves. We know that the first gospel tract ever printed was printed above him. This is Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. You've got to understand something. In those days, on that placard would usually be the crime that the person had committed. This is the crime. Murderer, thief. Jesus was without accusation. All they could say is Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And what's awesome about that is they wrote it in Latin, they wrote it in Greek, they wrote it in Hebrew. So everybody walking in for Passover, no matter what language they spoke, they looked up and they saw the first gospel tract ever saying Jesus Christ is indeed the King and He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is Almighty God. Amen? Amen. Three hours of darkness, as we saw in the video, hit. The world went black. During that time, the sin of all mankind was being placed upon our Savior. He knew separation from the Father for the only time ever. Do we fully grasp the Trinity? What's the answer? We won't until we get to heaven. He's God, you're not. Get over it. Amen? Too often we went, well, I don't understand. Yeah, you don't because He's greater than you. Amen? But here's the point. Almighty God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, and they knew separation. And He did that again out of love for us. I mentioned last week what would be harder to be Jesus suffering or the Father watching His Son suffer. Both would be incredibly difficult. Maybe even harder for the Father than for the Son. But here's the point. God endured both. And He did it out of love for you. That's the God that we serve. After the three hours of darkness, Jesus cried out, Tetelestai, which means it is finished. It also means paid in full. If you're here this morning and you're trying to earn your way to heaven, stop it. Amen? You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. You can't try harder. You can't be better. Here's the point. You surrender. He did it already. Paid in full. Aren't you glad? That's the God we serve. After the, him saying to Talistire, it is finished, he gave up his spirit. Giving up his spirit, no one took it from him. 
He was God all the way through to the end. And then we know that the earth quaked. Now, the earth quaked, the veil was torn. This is significant because prior to this, only the high priest on the Day of Atonement could enter into the Holy of Holies. They would tie a rope around him to make sure if he fell out that they could drag him back out because nobody else could go in there to get him. And if he came back out, they knew their sins had been forgiven. And he would go in clothed in fine white linen. That's going to be significant in a moment. He would go in, and when he came out, and they saw him in his white linen, they would know that their sins were forgiven, pushed forward another year as the blood was taken and sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a box covered in gold with a mercy seat with angels at the front and at the end. And we'll talk about the significance of that in a moment as well. But when Jesus died on the cross, that veil, that held everybody else from coming into the presence of Almighty God was torn from top to bottom. This was no small task. This veil took a hundred men to hang. This veil was 60 feet tall, 30 feet wide, and 10 inches thick. And it was not torn from bottom to top, but top to bottom, because Almighty God reached down and tore it open. And here's what that means. Because Jesus is crucified and risen, we can enter into His presence anywhere and anytime, and aren't you glad? Amen? Amen. Not once a year for just the high priest, but because we have the great high priest who is seated at the right hand of the Father, we can enter into His presence. The earth quaked. We know that after His resurrection, that the, the dead people... Dead saints got up and went back into Jerusalem and started witnessing to the people. You know, when people say, I need a sign and then I'll believe, this is proof that signs alone don't work. Amen? Because dead people walking around in your city whose funeral you went to and are witnessing to you, if you don't get saved at that, you're not going to get saved at anything. Amen? Guys, it's not the signs, it's the Word of God empowered by the Holy Spirit that draws people unto salvation. Amen? Praise God for signs. He's still a God who does signs. But let's not seek a sign. Let's seek a Savior. And they missed him because they did not. So, Jesus is then taken down by two formerly undercover Christians. Joseph and Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus from John chapter 3? Came to Jesus by night. You know, first episode of Nick at night, right? He came to Jesus by night. I'm sorry, youth pastor, Get, forgive me. But he, he came at night, and Joseph as well, and they were undercover Christians. But now that Jesus had been crucified, they no longer were hiding. And guys, once we recognize that Jesus has been crucified for us, we need to come out of hiding. Amen? No longer ashamed of our faith in him, but boldly standing for the God that we serve. Well, he was taken, they wrapped him in linen, and they put him into a tomb. We talked about again this morning that when he was born, he was born, he was wrapped in linen, he was put into a stone manger, more than likely not in a wooden manger like we would see, but probably in a cave, which would make perfect sense because that's where his life started and that's where his life ended. It was all part of God's plan, amen? But guess what? For everybody else, that would be the end of the story. If this was your biography or mine, that's the end of it. We might have people's comments about your life, but your life is over. Guys, we don't serve a dead God. We serve a risen and living Savior. And guess what? Chapter 19 is not the end. We're going to look at chapter 20 this morning. Amen? And praise God that we serve a God who indeed is risen. So, if you're a note taker this morning, Jesus is risen just as he said. That's the title of the message. He's risen just as he said. And we're going to see that not only... And him rising from the dead does it prove that he's triumphed over sin and death, but also proves that he can impact your life. That he can do great things in your life. Why? Because he's proven to have power over everything. So the impact upon those who come to realize that Jesus is risen. First, we're going to see from tears to joy. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in a very tearful state. You're depressed. You're in a time of anguish, difficulty. You know what? Our Lord can turn your tears to joy. Amen? We're going to see that example of Mary Magdalene. From fear to courage. Maybe because of the economy. Maybe because of health issues. Maybe because of trials of life right now that are beyond your control. You're living in life of fear. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And my prayer this morning is you'll leave here no longer walking in fear, but filled with the courage that comes from being dwelt by the Holy Spirit. And then finally, from doubt to faith. Guys, Can I say something? 
anybody who's truly tried to investigate the Bible with an open mind, scientifically, historically, or archaeologically, you know what you call those people? Christians. Because if you have an open mind about Jesus Christ, you're going to come to know who he really is. Amen? It's only those who do not want to get off the throne of their own lives that struggle with the fact of who Jesus is. Hundreds of Old Testament prophecies, all fulfilled by Jesus Christ. You couldn't fulfill one. Why? Because we're not God. But he did because he is God. Amen? So, let's. that was a big introduction, I know, but the, cro- the cross needs one. Amen? We need to make sure we don't take that for granted, take it lightly, understand where everybody is. So we come to this point in chapter 20, verse 1. All the disciples have fled and they're in hiding. You know, the women have gone away weeping bitterly. Jesus' body's in the tomb. They've got guards there because they believe the word more than the than the Christians did, uh, you know, more than the followers of Jesus Christ did, that in three days he would rise. So they put guards there. I just think that's hysterical that you put guards to stop God. Amen? It's just as hysterical as the world we live in today trying to outlaw our faith. You can't stop God. He won't be stopped. The word of God won't be, won't be muted. Amen? They can try to take it out of school, but they can't take it out of our hearts. And help, Lord, help us. Let them never take it out of our mouths. Amen? So... We come to this place where there's tears, there's doubt, there's discouragement, there's fear. And watch what happens when they find out that Jesus is risen. Look at verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. The first day of the week is Sunday. This is why we meet on Sunday. Because the first century church met on Sunday They met on Sunday because two great things happened on Sunday. The resurrection and the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Sunday morning, every Sunday morning should be Resurrection Sunday. Amen? Every time we come together, we should be doing it in light of the fact that we serve a risen and living Savior. Mary Magdalene, you know, I love that she's the first one there. She was one of the last at the cross and one of the first at the tomb, if not the first at the tomb. Why? Because... She that's been forgiven much, loves much. She had been a demon-possessed woman. Her life was a disaster. She, and then the Lord came. He spoke, and He delivered her from seven demons. While the others were hiding, Mary's at the tomb. When the others had fled, Mary was at the cross. It says in, Rome, in Proverbs, I love those that love me, and they that seek me early will find me. Can I encourage you? If you don't have a morning devotion life, get one. I might have to get up earlier. Yes, you will. Amen? Start your day with him and watch how everything changes. And certainly, here's Mary. She gets up. She runs to the tomb. She's the first one there. And when she gets there, she sees that the stone has rolled away. Verse 2. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. They've taken our Lord out of the tomb. She had love for the Lord, but she still lacked understanding. You know, all of his followers should have been at the tomb to celebrate his predicted resurrection because he told them again and again and again that on the third day I will arise. Again, Pilate listened to the Pharisees who believed it and put guards there to guard it. It's interesting, the word they have taken them, when you go to Luke 24... We know that two angels appeared to Mary when she came to the tomb. She gets there. She sees the stone is rolled away. She wonders what has happened. And two angels are there. And they say this, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rose again. So while we love Mary's heart to be there, she goes back and says, We don't know where they've taken him. No, he's risen. Amen? He's a risen and living Savior. She did go back, as we know in Luke's account, and tell them that that he had risen. And how did the leaven respond? If she does come back and say, hey, he's risen, what do they say? Um, You've lost your mind. That's a paraphrase. They didn't believe her. Why? Because they didn't believe God's word when he gave it to them originally. So, we don't know where they have laid him. Again, in Luke's account, we know that she does share with them that, he's, that they said that he is risen. They don't believe the story. 
You know, I love this. Verse 3, it says, Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. The word comes that Jesus' body is gone. She says, we don't know where they've laid him, but we know from Luke's account, she says, he's risen. They say he's risen. So they run to the tomb to find out. But we also know from Mark's account that when Mary was appeared to by the by the Lord later. She said, go tell my disciples, and especially Peter, that I have risen. Why would that be significant, do you think? Peter had denied the Lord. He was away from the Lord. He was weeping bitterly. He probably thought he could never be restored. And then the word comes back, go tell my disciples, and especially Peter, that I have risen. How good is that? Is our God a God of grace or what? So we have conflicting stories coming back. Well, his body is gone. Well, some say he's risen. Well, is he risen? Well, where is he? Well, notice that 10 of the disciples don't do anything, but Peter and John, God bless them, run to the tomb to find out. They want to know. They want to see for themselves. Go tell my disciples, especially Peter, that I have risen. And now Peter runs to the tomb. Verse 4, so they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. People have joked about this because the other disciple was John who wrote this letter and he was letting everyone know that he's faster than Peter. John was the youngest of the apostles, believed by many. He outran the older, probably bigger Peter. And others would not believe, but Peter and John ran to the tomb. Again, put yourself in Peter's shoes. How it must have gripped his heart. Go tell my disciples, and especially Dave, that I've risen. Wow. What a God of grace we serve. Amen? If you're here this morning and you feel like Peter, like you've broken fellowship, you've denied your Savior, his arms are open to you too. You can take a million steps away from God. It is one step back. Amen? You can get right with him this morning. You may have not thought about him, talked about him. You may have come here because your arm was twisted a little bit this morning and you're doing it for a relative. And the Lord would tell you, I brought you here for a reason. I love you. And I don't care how far you've gone. I'm right here, son. I'm right here, daughter. Come on home. Amen? He's a restoring God, a loving God, a merciful God. So they ran together and John outruns Peter and they Come to the, he came to the tomb first, and he stooped down and looked in and saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. The word saw there in, in Greek is to look carefully or to observe. Peter's not going to do that. He's not going to look carefully or observe from a distance. He's not going to glance. You know, the word actually means to glance, and this one means Peter's word. Look at verse 6. And Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there. John glances in. Peter, who's running behind him, huffing and puffing probably, runs by him, goes straight into the tomb. Where's my Savior? And he sees there the linen clothes laying there where our Savior had been. And it says in verse 7, And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Now this is not what you expect if a body had been stolen. Amen? If a body had been stolen, there would be no bandages or torn and scraped up bandages. But this did not look like someone had unweaved a bandage from the outside, but someone just went through the bandages. And then took the time to fold up the napkin and lay it down. Guys, Jesus is in control. Amen? Nobody drug him out. Nobody stole him away. It wasn't a swoon thing. If he had just swooned, that's another theory people used to say. Well, he didn't really die. Really. They put a spear in his side. They checked for his death. And if he wasn't dead, he would have unraveled it, not gone through it. Amen? But he went through it because he is God. By the way, why was this stone rolled away? It wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. Amen? It was rolled away so the people could see in. He's greater than that. The stone was rolled away so the people could see he was no longer there. The body was not stolen, he didn't swoon, he rose. And the stone was rolled away so that the people could see in, indeed, that he had been risen. So the word comes back, is he really dead? Is he risen? Could it be? We're hoping. Let's run and see. They get there, they look in, the linen's laying there, the Savior's body is gone. Could it really be true that he's risen? Mary, who had been weeping. Mary, who was in tears. We know that the Lord is going to appear to her first. 
It says in verse 8, Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. So he believed. The word saw is to perceive and understand. They believed that his body was gone. We know that they don't fully believe yet whether or not he'd been resurrected or if his body had just been taken away. Verse 9, For as yet they did not know the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. How did they not know? He had told them repeatedly. Why don't we know? Have you ever noticed that? We live our lives, we live contrary to the Word of God, the consequences that the Bible promises happen, and then we want to blame God. Anybody else ever done that besides me? Amen? You know why? Because we don't take the time to know the Word of God, to study the Word of God. I know we have new people here, so let me just say something I say often. He's not a no-fun, bummer God trying to keep you from having a good time. He's a loving Heavenly Father who wants to keep you from harm. Amen? And He gave you His Word so that you would walk in His way, that you would be kept from bringing harm to yourselves. They did not know the Scripture. It says in Psalms 16, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to seek corruption. They had heard Jesus' words, and the angels had reminded them of Jesus' words through Mary. In Luke 24, it says, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Now, Peter, who struggled and doubted and fled, we're going to see when you get to Acts, he leads 3,000 people to Christ in a single day. What happened from denying Peter, cursing Peter, To leading 3,000 souls to Christ in a single day, Peter. The Holy Spirit is what happened. The Holy Spirit comes into his life and he's a whole new man. Guys, when we've been forgiven, we not only have our sin washed away, but when now the Spirit of the living God dwells inside of us and we ought to be different. Amen? We're once denying, we ought to boldly be proclaiming. So as you bring all the Gospels together, we see again, angels appeared, words come back, they're still not sure. Why? Because they hadn't really studied the Scripture, they hadn't listened to the words of the Lord clearly enough, and now they're still struggling. Is it true? Could it be true? We hope it's true. Guys, here's the good news. You and I don't have a hope, so we have a no-so. Amen? Verse 10 says, Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. This tells me again that, If they truly thought he was risen, maybe they would have gone somewhere looking for him. Instead, they go back home and they wait. Now watch, verse 11. But Mary, and I love that. That's underlined in my Bible, by the way. But Mary. They came to the tomb, they saw his body was gone. What does this mean? We're not really sure. Let's go home. Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. Mary's weeping was the same loud lamentation we see at the tomb of Lazarus. She believes the Lord is still dead, but she comes seeking. Again, Proverbs 8, 17. I love them that love me and those that seek me early. Others had gone home, but Mary's devotion led her to stay. She'd been forgiven much and she loved much. And she saw, verse 12, two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Before, why did the stone roll away? Now she comes back, everybody else is gone, she looks in the tomb, she sees two angels there. Here's what's significant about that. You have an angel at the head, an angel at the feet. You have the cloths in the middle, and they're bloody. And where are they? Right in the center of the two angels. This is a picture of the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant all pointed to the resurrection of the Savior. Why? Angels on the, on the Ark of the Covenant, but cherubim whose wings touch on each end, and the blood was sprinkled in the middle on the mercy seat. You come into the tomb, and you see the same pictures, but living angels and a risen Savior. That's good stuff, amen? Tell me the Bible doesn't rock. You're not paying attention if you don't get it, okay? The ark is a type of the tomb of Christ. I love it so much. Good stuff. Verse 13. And then it says, Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Again, she's there, but she still believes his body was simply stolen. She's got some level of understanding, but she doesn't fully grasp the fact that he's risen. She too had come back, as we know from other texts, with spices in her hand. She came to anoint a dead body, not to see a risen Savior. 
But guess what? The whole world's going to be turned upside down. Now watch what she says. I love this. This is good stuff. I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she said that she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus, why didn't she know it was the Lord? And why did she turn around? I don't know. But I'm guessing if Jesus shows up, the angels are bowing. Amen? Doesn't say that. I'm just guessing. But the angels are standing there. She's talking to them. And all of a sudden, you know, you're talking to angels. You think that might be an attention getter. Amen? But then all of a sudden, you stop and you turn around. I also want you to notice that she doesn't make a big deal about the angels. You know why? Because she was looking for Jesus. She didn't write a book, so I saw angels. Amen? Go on a book tour of the I Saw the Angels firsthand. Guys, let's not get so focused on angels who we're really looking for is Jesus. Amen? Too often we're looking for the signs and the wonders that surround him. We ought to be looking for him. Too many people today looking for everything else when they need to be looking for Jesus. The angels were there. Did they stand? Did they bow? Why didn't she recognize him? Was it just too early in the day? Were her eyes too, too filled with fear or with uh, tears? Excuse me. Had he concealed his identity? And then he says in verse 15, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him that I may take him away. Now, first of all, I still love her heart for the Lord because she's offering to carry his body by herself. Right? Can you tell me where he is? I'm looking for his body. I'm looking for his dead body. Where is it? So I can come and take it and anoint him properly and give him a proper burial. How can I find him? Guys, if you're looking for a dead Messiah, you will never find him because he doesn't exist. Amen? He's a risen and living Savior. May we never allow the physical struggles and difficulties of life to so cloud our vision as she was weeping in tears that we cannot see Jesus in the midst of him. Here Jesus is talking to her, but she's so overwhelmed and so overwrought, she doesn't recognize the Lord. Guys, we can be in a trial or circumstances of life so overwhelmed and so overwrought that we don't see that Jesus indeed is right in the midst of us, midst of it to teach us something. Amen? Amen. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials. God allows us to go through the difficulties of life that we might look up and that we might not miss him. God is in control. All things do work together for good for those who trust in God. Whom are you seeking? That's the same question Jesus asked the mob when they came to arrest him. Whom are you seeking? A source of, you know, giving your life something good? What are you looking for? I would ask you that question this morning. Whom are you seeking? Why did you come to church today? Is it the right thing to do once a year? Or did you come here because you really want to know the Lord and know him better? See the passion of your life? Are you in love with him? We need to be, amen? And so she says, I'll take him away. Just show me where his body is. And verse 16, you got to love this. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. You know when she finally recognized it was Jesus? When he spoke her name. Do you know that the Lord has called each of you by name? Amen? Maybe He's calling some of you this morning. He calls you by name. He calls you unto Himself. He calls you into a relationship with Him. The Bible tells tells us that my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. The same voice that had cast seven demons out of her body is delivering her from bondage to that which sought to destroy her. Instantly turned her weeping to joy. Watch, she was tearful. But then Jesus spoke to her. Rabboni means teacher, but also can mean my great master. She knew his voice. She responded with faith, humility, reverence, and affection. When was the last time you heard his voice, and how did you respond? Verse 17. Then Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary clings to Jesus because she thought the only way she could experience blessing was to be in his physical presence. But Jesus' earthly ministry only had 40 days left. And guess what? After he ascended into heaven, he gave us his Holy Spirit. 
You know, we would love to have walked with Jesus, amen? But can I say this? And I do not believe this is wrong in any way. In many ways, we're more blessed. Because Jesus took on humanity. But the Holy Spirit is God, who always points people to the Lord. And guess what? He's with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Amen? He'll never leave us. We are of all people the most blessed. We have the completed revelation in our hand, and we have the Spirit of the living God living inside of us. Lord, help us to live lives that have a greater impact on a lost world. I want you to notice, too, that in that verse, he says, my brethren. First time in the Bible, Jesus calls them his brethren. Why? Because after the cross, we were adopted into his family. Amen? We're not just the followers, though we are. We're not just those who believe, though we are. We're family. We're his family. We're adopted into his family. Verse 18. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Mary, once demon-possessed, is now the apostle to the apostles. She came in desperation, seeking her Savior. She responds to her desperate, Jesus responds to her desperation. He calls her by name and she immediately became a witness to the apostles. Her weeping had turned to joy. Amen? She came and she was in a place of desperation. She didn't know what to do, didn't know where to turn. First thinking his body had been stolen. Coming back later after talking to the apostles and seeing that his body was not there. Thinks that, 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 that Jesus is a gardener wanting to know where he is. Tearful, desperate, and now joyful. But can I tell you this? Being desperate for God will lead you to walking in the joy of the Lord. Amen? She was desperate to find him. Are you desperate to find him this morning? Are you desperate to know him better? So we've seen Mary Magdalene from tears to joy. Now the disciples from fear to courage. Look what happens in verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for a fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Wouldn't you love to have a video of that? They're in the room, they got the door locked, they're scared to death, they're shaking in their boots. Ah. Even after they'd gone and seen that the tomb was empty, they went away and they went home and they didn't know what to do and they're shaking and they're scared to death. And all of a sudden in the room, without a door opening, there's Jesus. I have an idea, These guys are flying out of chairs. Can't you just see it? Doors were shut. And he comes and says, peace be with you. Why? Because moments earlier they were in fear for their lives. Guys, if you're here and living in fear this morning, the Lord would say to you, peace be with you. Amen? No matter what your circumstances are, no matter what you're going through, you can have peace if you give your life to the Prince of Peace. I love the story of Daniel. Darius, the king, throws him in the lion's den after being duped by some of his, you know, quote, wise men to say, have everybody bow only to you so they could catch Daniel. They knew Daniel wouldn't stop praying. Well, guess what? Darius is in a temple and he's in torment all night, worried about Daniel. Where's Daniel? He's in the lion's den. And what's he doing? He's napping. He's praying. He's fine. Why? Because it's better to be in the lion's den with Jesus than in the palace without him. Amen? You can have peace with the Lord when you're surrounded by lions and you'll have no peace if you have all the riches of this world if you don't know the Prince of Peace. And here they are, fearful, and the Prince of Peace shows up and he says, peace be with you, and he's the only one that can say it and really mean it. Amen? Verse 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I don't know if there's a more understated verse in the Bible. His disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. The word glad there means hilarious. They were outside. Can you imagine? They're in there scared to death, and then the Lord shows up, and they see the pierced hand, and they were glad. I guess so. Thinking backflip glad, amen? I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me glad. And they're excited. They're just, he's shown up. It's hilarious. Hilarity in their joy that they have. They're assembled in hiding, filled with fear, anxiety, and worry. The world from their perspective had been turned upside down. If he's the Messiah, why did he die? What are we going to do now? How, will it be, how long will it be before it's safe to go out? Why didn't I stand up for him? And maybe some even doubted that he was the Messiah at all. And then all of a sudden, their fear turned, to, oh, turned away. 
Why? Because the Lord showed up. Their fear became joy and awe and wonder and hilarious gladness. Verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. You know, what a gracious God. He didn't say, Where did you go when I was at the cross? Amen? And you're my apostles? This is the best team I got right here? I'm looking down. Now John was there. Where were the rest of you? And oh, by the way, Pete, thanks a lot for cursing my name while you were at it. That's not our Savior, is it? Instead, what does he do? He doesn't curse them. He doesn't go after them. He doesn't attack them for being faithless. He knows our hearts. He knows without him we're all faithless. Amen? Instead, he says, look, I'm sending you out. I'm not done with you guys. I still have a calling upon your life. Guys, you may have blown it. God's not done with you. You may have even denied him. God's not done with you. Get right with him. He wants to do great things with you, in you, and through you. Though they had failed, fled, and cowered in fear, the Lord could still use them. Verse 22. And when he said this, here's the key to being successful and being used by God. He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Here's the key, guys. Less of us and more of him. Less of my flesh and more of his spirit. The reason they failed before and now they would be faithful is the Holy Spirit would now live inside of them. And then he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is a verse that's misinterpreted by many. This does not mean the apostles had the ability to wash away people's sin. Here's what they had the ability to do. They had the ability to recognize when someone was repentant, when someone had given their life to Jesus Christ, when someone was desperate and broken before Him, and then they could say, because you've given your life to Him, you can be assured that your sins are forgiven. Amen? That's what it means. Not that there's guys in black robes somewhere that can somehow forgive you of your sins. They can't do it. Only Jesus can. Amen? We sinned against Him. He alone can forgive us. Last point. From fear to courage. We see it in the disciples. Now, you can see them shaking before. And lastly, from doubt to faith. Look what it says in verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, who was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Guess who's listening? The Lord, amen? And he hears exactly what he says. Notice though, you know, I just, Pastor Day's opinion, he wasn't hanging out with the other Christians and he missed it when the Lord showed up. Amen? Where was he? I don't know. But God showed up and he missed it. Think about that next time you want to sleep in on Sunday. Verse 26. (laughs) Amen? All right. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them, and Jesus came, and the doors being shut, and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace to you. I can almost see the other guys going, See? Can't you just... Dude, Thomas, did we tell you? Look, there he is, just as we told you. You know, now, Mary had told them they didn't believe, right? But now, they believe. Why? Because they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and God has given them faith. Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Amen and amen. Aren't you glad that God is so patient with us? So faithful. He's called doubting Thomas and people kind of slam him for that. But I will say this, once the Lord appeared to him, he became proclaiming Thomas. Amen? And he boldly said, my Lord and my God. No one else would have received that but the Lord. If if he'd said that to an angel, the angel would have said, get up. A lot of people say that it was an angel, not the Lord, who appeared there. Verse 29, Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me and have believed, blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. Who's he talking about? us. Jesus pronounces a special blessing upon those who have not seen him yet believe. Those who walk by faith, not by sight. 
Lord, help us to be those who, though not having seen you fully, still believe. Can I tell you this? My own pastor day's perspective. I know Jesus Christ better than I know my wife. I have a more intimate relationship with him than anybody on this planet. I have not seen him physically, but he walks with me every moment of every day. He is my best friend. Guys, it's got to go beyond belief in a cross and an empty tomb to intimate fellowship. It's got to go beyond just a belief that one day I'll get my get out of hell free card and I'll get into heaven and that's all I'm looking for from God. God didn't save you to give you a get out of hell free card and have you live like the world. He saved you to make you a new creation in Him that old things would pass away and all things would become new. That you would be used mightily for His kingdom. And as He said to the disciples, as I've come to you, now I send you. He would say the same thing to you. He's sending us out to represent Him. And then lastly, it says here in the last two verses, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. Verse 31, if that is not underlined in your Bible, fix it. Amen? What does that say? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. Guys, if you're here this morning and you're living a life filled with fear, filled with tears, filled with doubt, you can be living a life filled with joy, filled with faith, and filled with courage. How does that happen? You have a head-on collision with Jesus Christ. You stop living your life and you surrender to him. You stop trying to go your way and you put your life in his hands. No doubt in a room this size with as many people as are here this morning, there are at least a few people here that have never given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe while we've been going through the text this morning, the Holy Spirit has been grabbing a hold of your heart. Holy Spirit's been convicting you that you need not be like Thomas or be like those who doubted or questioned. That yes, you've been living your life filled with fear and it's time to have a life filled with faith. The Lord brought you here for a reason. When he hung on a cross, he thought about you by name. And he knew this morning you would be sitting here. And right now, salvation's being offered universally, but it must be accepted individually. He holds out to you a free gift, not something you earn, Not something you deserve or I deserve. But he says to you, I died. You can see my nail-pierced hands. I died for you. I'm a risen Savior. I want to pay for your sin. And now it's up to us to respond. What are you going to say to God's Son? Are you going to say yes, Lord, and surrender your life to Him? Are you going to allow your pride or your own desires to keep you from surrendering to Him? Guys, this is eternity hanging in the balance. Every Christian here, bow your head. Let's be praying. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, for anybody here this morning that doesn't know you. That indeed, Lord, today would be the day of salvation. Lord, we thank you that because we serve a risen Savior, we too can pass from death into life. We too can triumph over sin and death. We too can have our sins forgiven. Lord, all of us at times have doubted. All of us at times have walked in fear. All of us at times have have been faithless. But Lord, I thank you and praise you that in the midst of all of it, you sent your son to suffer and die. You know every wicked, vile thing we've ever done and you love us anyway. No doubt there are some here this morning that may think, but pastor, you don't know all the things I've done. You know what? The Lord knows and he loves you anyway. He died because he loves you. You're his treasured possession. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. It's not trying to ask you to join a church or an organization, but God is calling you this morning to give your life to Him. Eternity is hanging in the balance. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. Guys, if you can't stand up in here before a cheering crowd, you'll never stand up out there before a jeering one. So if it's your desire this morning to give your life to Jesus Christ, To walk out of here knowing for sure that you're going to heaven, that your sins are forgiven. 
to take that step back. If you're maybe a believer who's walked far away, you want to get your life right with him. If that's your desire, just stand to your feet right where you are so I can pray with you. Anybody at all. Today's a day of salvation. Anybody at all. Don't worry about anybody else. Examine your own heart before him. Anybody at all. God bless you, bro. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Lord loves you guys. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? We've got time. Lord, I pray for each of these that are standing. I thank you and praise you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit has drawn them unto yourself and they've responded in obedience to your Holy Spirit. And those of you who are standing right now, just stay standing. I want you to repeat these words after me. Repeat it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning and I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he died for my sin, that he rose from the dead, and that he's coming back. I believe that you've forgiven me. Help me, Lord, to walk with you, to be a man or woman of God you've called me to be. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. 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 Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundant. Amen? Amen. And you know what? The Bible says that all the angels in heaven are having a party right now because the kingdom's been added to. Amen? Let's stand up and worship the Lord like he deserves it. Amen?